We are recording. Awesome. Welcome to The Voiceless, a true crime podcast. I'm Cheyenne. And I'm Ash. I changed it from Ashley because it just seemed pretentious. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to episode two. Like everyone. (laughs) We need to get a soundboard. We really do. That's going to be on our our list of things. Yes. The many list of things that we want slash need slash extra shit that we don't need but would be cool. Just us being bougie. Yeah. Bougie AF. Yeah, like a steady like podcast studio setup would be great because we spent like 45 minutes configuring my basement bedroom into a studio. Which (laughs) yeah, we're sitting on the floor recording right now. Maybe when, yeah, no, it would be cool, though, if, like, I did get a two-bedroom apartment, and then I just converted one of the bedrooms into a studio-slash-office space. Yeah. That would probably work. See, I could probably, because, like, Drake doesn't actually sleep in his room. Um, just, like... Hashtag Indian kids. Just... <laughs> As in, like, India, not, like, being an <laughs> asshole about indigenous people, just to clarify on yes. that one because yes. um, like we have I don't want this to sound braggy but like we have four bedrooms in this house I know but I it's know. like everything each house. one has some sort of shit going on in it like my office space is currently in Drake's bedroom which we could have recorded up there but that door doesn't lock and for those with a toddler in their house or in their family, you know that uh, locks on doors are very important with children. <laughs> Especially if you want to get anything done. 100%. I, I don't have toddlers, but I I know. I grew up with siblings. Yeah. Well, you have Benji. And, and then, yeah, my nephew. He's, like, over every weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah, right before we started recording, I was, we were talking... About something, <laughs> but like it made me think of um, oh, because you were talking about if I have to leave for a little bit, you'll oh yeah do the trailer or think of something for the re-recording of our trailer without me. And I made a comment about you being left in the basement but oh. not lot or uh, chained to a register. <laughs> and it made me think because we watched um that instant family yesterday. Uh, Mark What's Wahlberg and Rose. Oh, what's her last name? Rose Byrne. Bar- oh yes. yes. And um, I love Rose like they Byrne. they end up adopting like these three kids. One's a teenager, and then I can't remember the age of the other two. But like, um, one of the people who is in charge of like finding these fo- or they fostered them and then adopted them eventually. But um, one of the people in charge of this like foster center. Because they had this, like, big picnic where all the foster kids were, like, there so they could meet them and, like, whatever. Okay. And this one... Is, there, like, is it a comedy? Uh, yeah, like, it, it got it got me pretty teary-eyed oh, in yeah, some parts. Oh, yeah, no, anytime anything to do with, like, foster kids or, like, anything yeah. like that, I'm always just like, why? Why is the world like this? It's, like, tears stream down my face. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so they were like, oh, did you see, like, any any kids that you 
liked, which I'm like, that wording is kind of weird. <laughs> um, but they were like, oh, yeah, there's this one girl, like, she was sitting all by herself. She was, like, quiet. Like, she was keeping to herself, looked kind of like, um, I can't remember what they said, but it was something that you're like, mm, that doesn't sound right. And then, is this on Netflix? Yeah. And then uh, Mark Wahlberg made some sort of comment of, like, you know, like, it looks like she could have been chained in the basement to a register for a couple months. And the person that runs the center or whatever, she's like, that's my daughter. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which I, like, died laughing to that last night because I'm like, holy shit. Like, oh, it's funny, but it's not at the same time. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's hilarious. But, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking about during that conversation. I think there was... A morbid episode where it was like this creepy guy who's like, "Oh yeah, that re- new receptionist lady like was cute," and then I think it was like the boss's daughter oh, or whatever. Yeah. I can't remember which one that was, but it was like some creepy guy. I thought you were talking about um, what's his name, Israel Keys, that like had those three women chained up in his house for years. Oh, it probably was. I don't that's know. Where, that's where Way I thought you were going. Way too many that... Which, like, clearly my mind is in one place right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I guess we'll just <clears throat> head into the case here. This one's a little bit... Well, I mean, all of our cases are going to be heavy because they're... Murder. Murder. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's not like it's like oh yeah like it's just a a lighthearted murder, <laughs> like uh okay yeah. yeah I don't think there is such a thing. I mean you it. come for the murder, you stay for the banter. That's true. And then, Coming for the murder sounds weird though. Sometimes you also <laughs> like stay for the justice that you hope is at the end of the murder. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna be really excited when I can get an iPad and. <laughs> my notes on there because I don't I don't want to have paper and my phone while big is also like still too small oh I know our first episode I could hear myself turning pages I'm like wow that's annoying but whatever (laughs) maybe one day we'll have it where like we have it up on like the tv and it's like a teleprompter (laughs) oh my gosh yes but that would probably fuck us up a lot because they would probably go I'd be like it's going too fast (laughs) it's like Kay did you get a chance to watch the boys yet no. Okay, there's one episode where A-Train goes and talks to, like, a cancer patient, mm-hmm. and, like, the kid's dying, and so, like, it just, it just turns bad, and it gets really cringy, but hilarious, and then, um, like, Madeline, she gets mad, because she's like, oh my god, how many times do I have to tell you A-Train needs to be scripted? <laughs> he can never go off book. <laughs> Because it just turned out, it went just super bad. It was super funny, though. But yeah, the boys highly Mm. recommend. I do have to watch that. It's just like, I almost never have time to watch TV anymore. Which, like, I guess is good. But also sometimes I'm like, I just want to do nothing and watch TV and melt into my bed. Thank you. You know what's funny is this note card that looks super, like, red right now is actually yellow. Oh. See? Oh, yeah. That's weird. I have um, yeah, the, optics. <laughs> the fancy lights on that my husband and Cash installed in our basement bedroom suite. They're like LED lights. Um, they're all around like the 
the top of our ceiling. And I have them in a nice light purple color right now. She's super Gucci. Fucking love this. <laughs> I want it. We will do this in our pod studio. So we can just like have LED lighted. Uh, and then like install a, uh, like a disco ball. Yeah, like these ones like... strobe also. <gasps> Hello, I'm back again. <laughs> Doesn't reach sound like a weird word? There's a lot of stuff in uh, the English language that I'm like, this can't be a word. Like and then the I look it up and I'm like, it sure is. Here. Boo girl, we having a party. It's like those TikTok filters where it's just like, that was a really bad, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to call that. So you plugged my microphone in? Yes. Okay, thank you, because I didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make sure, like, everything was all set up. Why am I so quiet? I don't know. I feel oh my weird, God. too. We can always edit out whatever later. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Which is like me. All this the time. is what you come for. It's like you every don't day pretend to be one hundred percent awesome or like investigative reporters, where it's just like, oh yes, educated me. I just read a lot and watched like things I probably shouldn't have when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, that's the nineties, right? So, <laughs> what was it that Ryan said he watched? He watched some movie. It was like an R-rated movie, but he watched it from like the the top of the stairs in the basement oh while God. everyone was like in the living room. Ah. Oh yeah. Um. Sometimes this turns on the TV randomly, <laughs> and I don't know how to turn it off. Um. I'll just leave it on. It's not gonna do anything. No. If it starts randomly playing Netflix, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Ashley found out her house was haunted. It shouldn't be. It's only three years old, but you know. I like. Who knows what was here before the settlers arrived <laughs> and fucked everything up? It's like, wow, the U.S. seems really great. It's almost <laughs> as if it was built on some kind of Indian burial ground. I fucking love that meme because it's like, it's so it's true. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm just texting again. He said, oh, love you so much, so I'm like, I need to respond, because... Isn't he upstairs? He sure is. He should just call out through the cat door. <laughs> I love you, mama! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we text each other in the same room sometimes. It's usually if, like, we need to make a note of something and we don't want to forget. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like that's, like, what married couples do, is you just get, like, random texts sometimes. Like, he'll just text me random things for, like, the grocery list. I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's like, just so I don't forget, I know Ryan, I, he gave me his phone last week, and like, I forget what it was for, I had to like write a note or something, and then I noticed he has a note in his phone that says movies that Cheyenne hasn't seen, so I'm like, okay, and I guess they're just movies that he wants to show me, but like, we never actually sit down and watch those movies. Like, one time he showed me Memento, but, like, I don't remember it, and I'm just, like, I couldn't really follow it. I'm sure it's a great movie, but whatever. 
Alright. Well, we'll just jump right in and hopefully not get off track like I always do. <laughs> like the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that this thing shows you like how how many minutes into recording you are. Like, yeah. So like minutes. 15 minutes from now we'll have to start unless you want me to stop it and then we can start again. From, from like, now? Yeah. Doesn't matter to me. Okay. Because yeah, it's 30 minutes at a time, so... It'll probably, like, automatically stop, so we'll just have to keep an eye on it so we're not just, like, talking and it's like, oh, shit, it didn't record. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, no, that's good. Okay. So today is episode two, and this is going to be my episode, so my time to shine here. I don't know if you can hear Ashley's kid screaming in the background, but he seems super excited. Yes, he's excited. He's not being <laughs> injured or anything. So please, he like, gave me popcorn. He's so fine. Super sweet. Yeah. All right. So we are traveling back in time to 1971 today. That's how far back this one is. How how many years is that? Is that 50? 50 years now? Shit. Yeah. Oh, crap. 1971. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. 50, like so exactly. 50, yeah, 50 years this this winter so yeah so today um is the story of helen betty osborne and so during the episode i'm going to be referring to her as betty which is what everybody called her um was her middle name but that's the one that she went by and it was pretty cute name um so she was born on july 16th 1952 and she was the eldest of 12 children which My is gosh. amazing. Like, props to her family. <laughs> no doubt. Sometimes one kid is too much oh for me. Oh, gosh. And I, I have a lot of help. So, like, <laughs> I don't know how my mom did it. it. I don't know how, like, my sister does it. I Props to all the single parents oh out there. Oh, my like, God. Like, or co-parents. Like, it takes parents in general. <laughs> it literally takes a village. It really does. It's insane. Um, so, yeah, her parents were Joe and Justine Osborne. And her family lived in the small northern First Nation community, uh, Norway House, which is in Manitoba. So that's actually 30 kilometers north of Lake Winnipeg. So pretty far from us, I think. Yeah. I didn't really look at any maps. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty far up north. Yeah. So, yeah. And, like, with all of the First Nation reserves here, like, Norway House had, um, very limited educational opportunities for Betty, um, who had dreams of actually becoming a teacher when she was older. Those are other people that deserve, like, all the props in the world. No, they make, they do not make enough. Um, you know, as, honestly, as much as I have take issue with, like, our education system, it has jack shit to do with the teachers (laughs) within our education system. Um, So, yeah, like, mad, mad respect to all the teachers out there listening. Um, That's what Betty wanted to do when she grew up. Um, So, and as with all of the First Nation Reserve um, in Canada, Norway House had limited educational opportunities. So that meant that at age 17, she was forced to attend the Guy Hill Residential School located at Clearwater Lake, which is 29 kilometers from the town of the Pop, which is where she eventually lived and died. 
unfortunately. And just wanted to make another note here that we will be doing a series on the residential schools uh, in the spring. So keep your ears tuned for that. Yeah, because that, uh, yeah, you need a whole episode to go into all the oh, bullshit. I think, that... I think it's going to be multiple no, probably because, like, there's just like, so many. Like, at least two, maybe three. Even looking, honestly, even looking into this, there's, like, th- like this could be a whole series just because of how it um, kind of was one of the catalysts to looking into um, why the government doesn't actually take Indigenous deaths seriously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this one, this one had a huge impact on that. Um, so after two years of going to the residential school, um, Betty eventually ended up at, in, in the PAW, um, where she went to attend a school called Margaret Barber Collegiate. And the Department of Indian Affairs set up room and board for her with um, William and Patricia Benson, a couple who were said to have shown, um, to have, like, actually care about her. So, like, they oh, were, they were. Nice. Yeah. I want to say that's nice, but I'm like, I don't know the people involved, so I'm, I don't want to be like, oh, well, these sound like great people. And also, like, yeah, like, actually, Ash doesn't know about this. Um, case at all like I've told her a little bit about it and she she didn't want to go into I don't want to ruin no I don't want to say ruin it for myself because that sounds like I'm like stoked no but yeah I think that's the the way we're gonna do things is just like uh, obviously there's gonna be cases that we both know about like the one I'm doing in our mini ish yeah that one like this episode will be released uh Wednesday of this and now that we've figured out our technical difficulties. Yeah, and then I think our mini might be out Friday or Saturday. We haven't decided. Also, up is. for suggestions on when you guys would like episodes to release, because uh, I know me, like, I primarily listen to podcasts during the week, but I know some people, like, like it on the weekends to, like, clean and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I like cross-stitching in the evenings and listening, so... It's a personal preference whenever. I don't know. I'm good with podcasts any day of the week. Yeah. Monday through Sunday. I almost said Monday through Friday. I'm like, nope. (laughs) Just get rid of these two days. (laughs) This is so daunting, having that microphone in front of you and, like, being the one to do the case. This is my first case, so I'm just like, I didn't expect to be so... Oh, I know. I was, like, shitting my pants last (laughs) week. I'm like... And then I'm like, does my voice sound okay? I know. And Am like, I, like, close enough to the mic? Am I too far away? Am and, I too close? Like, and it's not even, like, self-conscious about me. It's also, like, am I going to present the, the story properly? Am I going to, like, do it justice? Because that's also, like, a huge factor. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me. Um, going back to the case I did last week, um, I just want to... I guess make an adjustment or like um I don't know what the word would be clarify Apo- yeah clarify apologize um because based on all the research I did it was referred to as gender reassignment surgery mm-hmm. um but we were informed by Cheyenne's friend that it is 
gender confirmation yes. surgery. Yes, gender confirmation. So I apologize um, to anybody that uh, got offended by that or anything. It was yeah. purely, <laughs> it, it was unintentional. Source um, material. Yeah, and uh, I will keep that note for any further cases. But also there's, those are the kind of like little notes that we want to hear. Like if we slip something up, if we do something incorrect or say something incorrectly, obviously it's like, oh, actually, this is what you were, this is how it said, actually. So, like, stuff like that. We're yeah. just like, cool, thanks. Just be nice about it. Don't yeah. be a dick. Because <laughs> we're trying not to be a dick either. Yeah. All right. So, going back, um, just a little bit more about Betty. Um, so, she was a Cree woman. And so uh, everything that I read, it said she she loved to laugh. Um, she was very shy, and though she had several close friends, um, none of them were white. So, and I just wanted to clarify here that we're um, we're n- we're just impressing the racial divide here on purpose, just because like that kind of played a huge factor in why people didn't really care or like report her death. So like in the PAW in 1971, there was a huge, huge divide between uh, the whites in town and the um, indigenous population in town, Um, which we will also later learn, of course, is kind of what contributed to people, again, not really caring (laughs) about what happened. Unfortunately. Yeah, so which is, you know, fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunately, it is here in the paw that uh, Betty would meet her untimely death at the hands of four men. Uh, James Houghton, Dwayne Johnston, Lee Colgan, and Norman Manger. And uh, most of the information that police and everyone gathered, uh, that, like of uh, everything that happened that night, was based on Lee Colgan's testimony that he gave in exchange for immunity. Um, so, unfortunately, while we have Colgan's testimony to figure out what happened to Betty that that night. Um, uh, Wayne Johnston didn't actually testify, like, he just decided not to, and um, so Lee Colgan is the only one, like, his version of events is, like, uncontested. Um, so, like, but not a lot of people also, um, they think he told most of the truth, but not the whole truth, also. Mm. So. I don't yeah. like that they can be like, mm, nah, I don't want to <laughs> testify. I know, like, like too fucking bad. I know like, it's you're it's, a part of this. You don't have a choice. It's it's disgusting, and it's like everything that happens is just it's awful. Um, so yeah, uh, on the the uh, so the evening starts here on uh, November twelfth, nineteen seventy one. Betty had returned home to Benson residence for dinner around 6 p.m. And then um, after that, she went to go visit a friend at the St. Anthony Hospital. And then here's where she eventually ended. uh, She ended up meeting up with her friend, George Ross. Uh, And then 
she took him back home. They kind of just spent a couple hours drinking and like talking and everything until Patricia asked them to stop around 10 p.m. And, you know, that's fair. It's her house. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, they were like, whatever. They didn't, uh, they didn't have any issues. So Betty asked if it was okay to go to the store. Patricia was like, that's fine. So she... <laughs> was that the cat? Or was yeah, it... that was my cat. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? yeah. I know it's bullshit, right, Leo? But yeah. I can't edit you out. I don't know if you can hear Leo, but Leo has some very strong opinions on this case. Oh, that's actually Zeus. Oh, that's Zeus? Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Leo's very... I was like, wait a second. They look alike. Oh, Leo's next to your mic box. (laughs) That's adorable. Can we not knock anything over, please, Cap? Thank you. (laughs) So yeah, basically her, and this is unfortunately the last night that Betty is alive. Um, So these events are like her last uh, 12 hours. And um, so she and her friend uh, George ended up leaving and walking downtown. And so they ended up passing the Cambrian Hotel at around 11 p.m. where Betty noticed her boyfriend Cordelia Spaghetti with another woman so I don't know if hands were thrown but they got into an argument which is um and the argument was witnessed by some people so that is also led to Cornelius later kind of becoming a suspect in her murder but obviously like he was eventually cleared for that but um so about 10 minutes later, Betty and George, uh, they ended up leaving and hanging out at the Northern Light Cafe with a few other friends. And then from here, uh, they and two other people, um, Eva Simpson and Marion Osborne, they returned to the Benson's property and had more drinks in the shed. And then eventually everyone started slowly heading back downtown and separating. And then at around 12.30, George Ross went home, which left Betty by herself downtown. And sightings, like eyewitness accounts, put her passing the Cambrian Hotel again at 12.45 a.m. And then later she was seen at a dance at the Legion around 2 a.m. And so her, the last known sighting of Betty was at about 10.15 a.m. by Rebecca Ross on Saturday, November 13th, 1971. Uh, she was heading west on Edward Street, according to the sources that I read. A link will be in the show notes, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, <okay. laughs> oh, Zeus is trying to talk. That's adorable. So, and yeah, like I, like I mentioned, most of what happened that night came from Lee Colgan's testimony against Johnston and Huffton. Manger would maintain like forever that he was too drunk to remember what happened that night. But I think that's bullshit. Yeah. A lot of people think it was bullshit too. Like he, he said that he pieced together some things from that night because of rumors around town. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, you'll later learn that, like, because these guys don't end up getting actually charged with anything for 16 years after. Jesus Christ. After what they do to her, which, um, 
Yeah, I'll do a content and a trigger warning, but it does get pretty brutal. Um, Damn. 16 years, though, like... And you know what's fucked up is, like, it, they knew... The whole town knew who did it. Like, yeah. there were rumors, which... Obviously, it's understandable that rumors aren't admissible in court, but, like... Yeah. You'll see later. Um, the guy... Uh, who reopened the case um, he he thought it was on, it, it was his opinion yeah like I'll, I'll mention later but it was his opinion that if they had actually tried like they could have they would have been able to actually solve it yeah so here I'll just stop this because it's gonna mm-hmm. stop it um, what we do in the shadows the TV show there's one episode where he just he's always like fucking guys <laughs> it's just like my favorite like nandor's also like well they're all they're all really good characters but nandor that was that when they all um they went out partying with the baron like the vampire baron and then they ended up getting drunk and high by uh drinking the blood of these people at like a rave <laughs> And then, and then some Nandor stole like a traffic cone, and he's wearing it on his head, and he's like, "I am a wizard." She's <laughs> an idiot. It was pretty funny. All right, so, um, back to the case. Uh, as for the activities of uh, these fuckers, their movements on that night are pieced together, of course, by uh, Colgan's testimony. Um, which came in 1987, so 16 years after Betty died. Um, so on that night, um, Lee Colgan picked up James Houghton and Norman Manger. Uh, they purchased beer that, that night, uh, Friday, November 12th, 1971, climbing into Lee Colgan's dad's white 1967 Chrysler. Um, they eventually made their way to the dance at the Legion, where they met up with Dwayne Johnston, not like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, <laughs> different guys. The Rock's a national treasure, don't you be coming for The Rock. Um, so then they continued their cruising around town looking for whatever the fuck four white <laughs> dudes go looking for after getting beer, drinking, and driving in 1971. Um, I was going to say something. <laughs> It would yeah. probably get me in a lot of trouble. So. Well, and then, like, okay, so this is what they say. Um, so Colgan claimed that they all informed, that they all, like, all four of them formed the idea they'd go looking for, quote, an Indian woman to drink with and have sex, end quote. Which, okay. okay so my thought wasn't far off. No. I thought underage <laughs> girls to. Yeah, pretty much. Attack. Yeah. <laughs> So as they drove along 3rd Avenue, they spotted an indigenous woman walking by herself. Um, nobody indicated yet, though, like that they had recognized that woman as Betty, um, though it was definitely Betty, unfortunately. Um, so they pulled up alongside her, trying to persuade her to get into the car with them. And obviously she was like, fuck no, um, probably not her words, but she refused to get in. And um, this, but and yeah, like. Basically, she had been drinking, but she was definitely not, like, 
intoxicated intoxicated and for sure not intoxicated enough to be like yeah i'll go into the car with you which you doesn't matter white men like <laughs> doesn't matter how drunk you are like you can't you just you can't legally consent to fucking anything so already these guys are fucking disgusting yeah um so um manger who was sitting in norman danger was sitting in the um the front passenger car so it was a two-door two-door car so the guy in the front seat, uh, passenger side, had to get out to let uh, Dwayne Johnson out of the car. And so that's when uh, Johnson forced Betty into the back of the car, um, seating her between himself and Lee Colgan. And so James Hopton was at that point then driving the car with Betty in the back seat against her will. And they eventually drove 24 kilometers to his parents' cabin at Clearwater Lake. And so during this drive, uh, while in the backseat, Betty was subjected to... Okay, yeah. So (laughs) this is... I'm going to stop here. Um, Content warning, trigger warning. Um, The next little bit is going to deal with um, physical violence. And it is also going to um, describe, I am going to read kind of what the, not the actual autopsy report, but just kind of the findings of the autopsy report. Um, so while in the back seat, um, and also like it is, uh, like there is sexual assault, uh, Betty was not raped. But um, but while in the backseat, Betty um, was punched, slapped, and uh, Colgan and Johnston were grabbing at her, tearing her, which tore her blouse, and then they were grabbing at her breasts and tearing at parts of her bra. Um, a piece of a bra strap would later be found upon inspection of this car, um, but it wouldn't be conclusively linked to Betty, okay. which... Is also kind of fucked because like they also found a spot of blood as well as human hair which had similar characteristics to Betty but like none of this was linked to Betty conclusively um, in the early stages of the investigation. Um, and so upon arriving at the cabin uh, the men got out of the car Dwayne Johnson pulling Betty and dragging her on the ground. Um, all the while, she's like she's kicking, she's screaming, she's trying to get free. Um, and then it's at this point he began beating her with kicks and punches as she lay on the ground screaming. Um, the others at this point were just standing around watching and continuing to drink. Lovely. And Lee Colgan would eventually admit to helping Johnston with beating Betty at this point. So this is kind of like the first beating. Um, so eventually they took a break in beating her when they became worried that someone would hear her. Oh, fuck off. So it's not like they really cared about what they were doing to her, they just didn't want anybody to hear it. That's like in Gwen, where they're like, we took, or they took a break, and then once she was bleeding on the couch too much, they're like, okay, well, let's start this over. let's continue. Um... So they forced her back into the car. Huffton then drove them along Provincial Highway 287, several more kilometers, ending the journey at the pump house where the final assault and murder would occur. Um, 
So according to Lee Colgan's eventual testimony, which took place in 1987, uh, like I think I mentioned already. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Dwayne Johnston was the one and only person to tear Betty from the back seat of the car while the other three were left to drink in the car, hearing banging and screams for about five, uh, five to ten minutes until it stopped. So this was Jesus Christ. So this was at the pump house, like out, like after they left the cabin. This was the second time they decided to beat her. Like, because once wasn't enough. Yeah, right. Uh, so Betty was allegedly still alive at this point, according to Colgan. And at that point, James Hufton, who had been driving the whole time, got out of the car. Uh, Colgan said he got a glimpse of Betty claiming at that time it looked as though she didn't really have many clothes on. Um, Johnston eventually returned to the car, though left again after he found a screwdriver under the front seat. And uh, Colgan would later testify that at this point, he climbed into the driver's seat and uh, turned the car around and uh, called out to James Hufton and Dwayne Johnston that he was leaving. Um, one of them had called back just a minute, both eventually returning to the car and one announcing she's dead. Uh, Colgan she's remembered that eventually the screwdriver was wiped off and um, wiped off because it had blood on it and tossed from the car as he drove it back toward town. He, Colgan, claimed that he and Hufton went back to the dance. Um, however, it was probably over by then. So who knows what they actually did? And then, um, yeah. So they, it's assumed that they, you know, they made some kind of pact to keep it quiet from that as, point on. As they do. As they normally do, yes. Um, I hate to be this person, but can we pause real quick? Of course. I cash forgot to grab that. I don't know if we... Well, yeah, we'll just stop and then start over again, because this doesn't let us pause it. Wait a second. I'm like... Yeah, kind of like how um, my Canadian True Crime did, like, a... I think 2019, she did, like, a case... Cases, like, updates and, oh, like, right. review and just, Yeah. Like, we could do that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Or we can do, like, since we or started like, in January, we can do, like... Semi-yearly, like, every six months or whatever. Or, like, a year in review every yeah. every December. Ooh, big plans for this podcast. Hopefully, Hopefully this year <laughs> is better than last year. Yeah. I mean, Trump's not in office anymore, so we're already off to a good start. Oh I mean, we're not American, but... No, but... Us still, Canadians like, are like, us hell Canadians yeah. Canadians are watching you guys. <laughs> We feel free. Yeah. Um, Betty's uh, Betty's body was found, um, I don't want to say the next day because it's like the same day. It's just like later in the morning, I think. Okay, so like a few hours. Yeah. So she was found about 23 meters into the bush behind the pump house at Clearwater Lake um, by a family who was like they were hunting. And it was the elder son who had found her. Oh, fuck. Um, so they were thinking that if these people hadn't been hunting there, it's, uh, it's quite possible that her body wouldn't have been found for, like, for a couple months. Mm-hmm. But thankfully it was. Not that it mattered, because these assholes didn't go to jail for like 16 years in Japan. We'll figure it out. So, um, 
be there was evidence to suggest that she had been dragged to this location and since the snow wasn't melted around her this meant that she was already dead when she was when she was left there um her clothing had all been removed except for her boots um and hidden about 45 meters away why Um, though like i'm assuming it doesn't say but like i don't understand the the point behind that well, also, I don't want to like jump ahead in no, your notes, no, but like, fine. do they ever say why it took sixteen years? Because um, like that really bugs me. They just mentioned that there was insufficient evidence, as well as like since it was just rumors going around town that it was these guys. Um, I don't know it. To be honest, even reading the notes, I was like, you guys just say, like, rumors are inadmissible in court, but, like... Can't you, like, follow up on... It's... So, it's... like, lazy police work. <laughs> yeah, lazy police work. Um, it is super fucked up because, as we'll, we'll get to, um, two of these guys were interviewed, um, oh, like, occasionally over a period of ten years. So, like, they, they knew... Like, that's the thing. Everybody in the pod knew what happened. And it was just laziness and apathy. It was just fucking so infuriating. <laughs> so, and it's awful um, that over a period of 12 hours, it was reported that 31 people came to try to identify the body and nobody could. Oh um and so, like officials or just like random people in just ra- random people in town were coming to try to identify her because like nobody knew who it was like her face was beaten so badly yeah. like i'll mention um the autopsy jesus um but william benson um the man um like the couple she lived with mm-hmm. uh he had actually reported her missing earlier that day and he came to try to identify the body but even he couldn't tell because she was beaten so badly. That's just so sad. Like, so according to the autopsy report, so this, you know, this is trigger warning. Um, according to the autopsy report, her body had sustained 50 plus stab wounds, oh, mostly to the head and torso. Jesus Christ. Her skull, cheekbones, and palate were broken. Her lungs were damaged, and one kidney was torn. Okay, these are fucking monsters. Like, that is a lot. Like, separately, those things are a lot. But Yeah, they they mentioned that, like, this was a really, like, intense, hate-fueled, like, I don't want to use the term savage, but, like, like it was a very insanely like almost animalistic beating yeah um the puncture wounds indicated that a screwdriver was at least one weapon used in the attack um they're not sure when she died during her her ordeal but they did determine that she had not been raped which well, I don't, don't, don't want to say like I thankfully get, but I know. like, I'm like, like that's none of good, it good but like she was still murder a part of me like part of me hopes as bad as this might sound part of me hopes that she died sooner rather than rather than later 
Which like, you don't even know because, like, some people, like, can just take forever. Yeah. And, like, not even die from, like, the beatings, but, like, die because they're choking on blood. Yeah. Or, like, yeah, like, they can't breathe because, like, I don't know, their nose yeah. is crushed. It's I like, just, yeah, I really hope that most of her injuries were sustained, like, after she had already passed, but it still mm-hmm. doesn't make it. Better, any better yeah, either like, way it's just like I hope for her suffering like it wasn't like she was conscious or like alive until the very end kind of thing like cause that like, would that would make it worse but like it's shitty all around but well and like I just I just can't imagine having four men who are presumably bigger than me beating the shit out of me and me screaming and just like I just I don't get why people do that yeah um same like anytime someone abuses children I'm just like okay so you're beating up something someone that is like maybe a third of your size yeah you feel good about yourself now like Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of cases that like I want to cover but they all have to do with children, and I'm like, I don't know if I can handle it. I, but then there, or, part of me is also like, these need to be talked about because these people, I find like, not all the time, but a lot of crimes against children get lesser sentences than they do like others. I mean, and then they end up in prison, and then they get real fucked because. And, like, you, you find, like, so often with a lot of cases, too, that involve, like, child abuse or rape or even, like, any kind of rape case, it's like, oh, this person, most of the time, you don't even see them getting more than 10 years or, you it's know. It's like a slap on the wrist. Like, or what, you what hear, the- like, or you hear, like, t- sentenced to 10 years, got out in seven with good behavior, and it's like, got in, this got out bitch, in six weeks. <laughs> this bitch <laughs> like I just I I don't get it like there is a lot of issue there are a lot of issues in the justice system yeah. and then like you know people go to jail for like 20 years for being black and having weed on their person yeah well what was that fuck face's name um Brock Turner or some oh yeah that little bitch <laughs> <laughs> that's that's probably gonna be covered at some point because like Oh, that yeah, and they didn't want to ruin his life. Yeah. Oh, prison will ruin his like career aspects and his life. That's he has a it, bright future ahead of like, like prison should ruin his man. life. Like he ruined his own life. Okay? Yeah. Like it's not prison that's gonna ruin its like his life. It's himself that did it. Is that Zeus or Leo on my jacket? That's Leo. <laughs> Leo's just Zeus like is... making himself a bed on my coat. Which Zeus is... is sleeping now. Which is which means he's gonna be a nightmare tonight when I'm trying to sleep. Which is adorable as fuck. I love you, Leo. <laughs> You're adorable. Watch my rats. Like, oh. <laughs> a cat on them. I brought the cash the wrong tape, apparently. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he's like, um, that's not the one. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, it's okay, I'll just put that one. Um, hold on. But yeah, she, this is, this crime, I feel, I don't remember when I first heard about Betty. Um, You know, I grew up in the North End, and so it's got a very high Indigenous population there, so a lot of the schools, like, 
offered indigenous studies and stuff. So I think this is one of the ones mentioned. I don't know. They showed us a lot of like anti-racism videos when we were younger. Yeah, my high school in my last year uh, introduced a indigenous studies. See, the thing is, course. like, a lot of those were elective courses, and those yeah. should not be elective. Like, indigenous studies and, whoops, sorry, <laughs> and um, <laughs> just they shouldn't be elective courses. They should, like, we are on stolen land. Um, it should be mandatory to learn about what happened yeah. and to learn about the cultures that were erased. Mm-hmm. And I would love to have been able to learn some kind of indigenous language in high school. Yeah. Like they offered French, but then like, I don't think they had enough people interested, so they didn't offer it. Yeah. But my, still. my school up north, because when I was younger, like my dad worked for Hydro. So we lived um, up north in Gillum, which is south of Churchill and north of Thompson. So like way fucking up there near the Hudson's Bay where it's cold as balls all the time see one of the okay this is one thing that always like i always think it's so like ridiculous you know how like racist people will be like you have to speak english i'm like you know i really wish i could speak something other than english because like i look at people in europe where all the countries are so close together everyone can speak like fucking five to seven languages yeah or like your husband can speak like five different languages and i wish i could do that but you know north america we're fucking idiots yeah but like my middle school up in gillum like they had um cree classes but it was well it was technically i think it's technically a reserve so that's probably why yeah um but yeah, they had that in like French class, so like I took French because like I would love like I, I want retain my children, zero French though. I want my children to speak French. I want them to speak Cree. I want them to speak English. Like I need to learn Cree. I'm kind of trying to. Seriously though, go look up the word pink in Cree. It's fucking hilarious. Like I can't. I'm like okay, cool. I'll just <laughs> never learn this, and it really sucks because like it's. When you when you look at it, it's a very daunting language because the words are so huge. But like mm-hmm. if you like if you listen to someone speaking Cree, it's so like fluid. It's just like holy shit. Yeah. It's like in with any language, I think it's just yeah. like I don't know. Sometimes like I fucking fail so hard at English, and I oh, I can't understand how some people just speak so fast in all these other languages, and I'm just like, is that? what <laughs> oh i know like my like akash is uh punjabi obviously for those who know me and obviously my last name is Singh, so that kind of gives yeah. it away um but yeah like he he speaks english punjabi hindi and like a couple other ones but like they had to learn that in like school and oh. when he was growing up because um just like the diversity of India and it's like close to Pakistan so they like learn like that language also and like and like whereas here it was like indigenous people were beaten and punished if they spoke their language which yeah. we'll talk about in the residential school um episode but no I just and like it's so fun too if you ask someone who can speak like 
several different languages what language they think in it's I always like their answers that's one of my favorite questions to ask people yeah is my friend who I think she can speak um Punjabi Italian French and then like English and some other language but she speaks in it she thinks in Italian like she's Indian mm-hmm. but she speaks in it she no she speaks English she's you know she is Indian and she thinks in Italian because she grew up in Italy like that's and so, so cool. all of her all of her education was in Italian so yeah. that's just what she thinks in and it's just so interesting like when you ask people or like we're watching Heroes and um, uh, Noah Bennett, his character, at one point, he's being held captive and one of the guys can read his mind. So he's just thinking in Japanese the whole time. <laughs> like he's a white guy, but he's, awesome. like, he's thinking in Japanese the whole time. So that this guy can't figure out what he's thinking. So it was, it was just, it was hilarious to be like, what's he thinking? Thinking in Japanese. I'm okay, that is why you like, <laughs> if I could have any superpower, that's what I would want. Just think in other languages. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, speaking other languages too would be great. I consider oh, that like yeah. a a superpower. Like I would love that. Akash and his friends, like whenever they talk to each other, like they blend like Punjabi and like English in their sentences. I'm like, how does your brain like keep up with that? Like I would be so confused. Well, and that's kind of like too with this is why I fucking love language. Um, it's just like a passion of mine like English can get fucked (laughs) um like I love the swear words in English but it's just it's weird because apparently like yeah my um my paternal grandfather said that my grandma my paternal grandma who is um now deceased she passed in 2017 but her language that she spoke was apparently a combination of Ojibwe and French Oh, that's cool. So it was, I don't know, like, just anytime you, you hear, like, I would hear my grandma's speak or, like, my maternal grandma and her sister, like, anytime they would visit, they would speak in Cree. Mm-hmm. And then every so often they'd slip, like, an English word in because there was no Cree word for it. Yeah. And then, like, that's when your head would snap. Yeah. You're like, you fucking talking shit about me over there? Like, excuse me? Oh. And so, yeah, like, every so often, you you know, like, it's like, Cree, Cree, and then you'd hear, like, Cheyenne, you're like, fucking what now? Like, <laughs> I heard my name. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I love, uh, like, obviously, with any language, like, the first words you learn are usually, like, the curse words, and so, like, <laughs> the, that's, like, the ones I picked up on the fastest How when, you like, say fucking Urdu? <laughs> <laughs> when Akash and I started dating, and, like, now, like, and... I just love, like, some of the insults they have. Like, they're very vulgar, but, like, they're so funny. Oh, is it, like, when it gets translated back into, like, yeah. English? <laughs> yeah, like, so I don't know how to say some of them, but there's some that it translates into, like, I'm gonna fuck your sister. <laughs> like, <laughs> or, like, it's just, like, really vulgar. But, like, my favorite That's... one, I'm gonna probably butcher the pronunciation, but it's, like, chippy eye or something, and it means shifty cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Forever my favorite. Like, <laughs> I just imagine like a cash's mom just being like just saying it and her eyes just going like really like 
just narrow and oh my god yeah because there's one that's like it. um I'm, again i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation but it's like penchot or something and i think it means like sister fucker <laughs> oh my god that's just like motherfucker oh yeah. my god okay no i love this this is exactly why well no this is obviously not why you should learn other languages but this is like this is super fun and should inspire you to learn other languages. It's the fun part of learning other languages. Exactly. I just wish it was easier as an adult. Like, I know. <sighs> if you Anyways. have children, please teach them languages while they're young. Their minds are like sponges. Drake knows English and Punjabi so far, and he's not even two and a half yet, so he's doing pretty good. Oh, yeah. Like, you can tell. Cause I'm impressed. Like, when he talks really fast, I'm like, it, you're probably just speaking Punjabi. Yeah, there's some <laughs> stuff that he says to me, and it sounds like a full-ass sentence. I'm like, I have no idea yes, what you're talking about. exactly. <laughs> but then he'll go to his grandma, and he'll say something that, like, in English, and I'll understand. I'm like, you're, you're getting this mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> or he's like, I'm going to teach both of you oh at the same gosh, time. Oh, my gosh. That is so cute. Oh, I love it. Okay, I think I had already done the autopsy. Um, so of course, initial investigation into her death brought forward a few of her friends as well as her boyfriend, Cornelia Spaghetti. Um, although, um, yeah, so all of them, uh, were indigenous, like the first people they talked to, um, Mm -hmm. though everyone was eventually cleared. Um, and so the first stage of the investigation, like the, uh, source material for this episode, uh, kind of listed that the investigation took place in like three different parts. I don't know, it's kind of muddled and messy. Uh, The first stage took place between, like, November 13th, which is the night she died, 1971, to the end of 1972, so a little over a year. Okay. Um, This, the first stage is actually um, the one that included the identification of all four main suspects. Mm-hmm. Um, however, according to police, there was insufficient evidence to move forward with any charges at this time. Mm-hmm. However, I feel like if they had just tried harder, <laughs> they definitely could have because, I'm sorry, but if you know the names of all four guys, and like for 16 years, everybody, like, just, just do your job. Fuck it up. <laughs> um, you had one job to do and you did it poorly. So, like, congratulations. It's it's terrible, and, like, these people should be fucking ashamed. I hope, like, if they're still alive, that they died ashamed of themselves. Um, when officers first arrived on scene, um, right away they were convinced that it wasn't just one person that did it. Like, obviously it was two people. Mm-hmm. Um, they did notice that there were several uh, blood-stained footprints, and... Um, here there was there were a few witnesses that kind of placed um all four guys um in the area and everything Mm -hmm. um a 17 year old witness named brian johnson had told police he was in the car with uh lee colgan james hufton and norman major as well as uh, another person named gordon buck um, he was present in the car at one point but he had left around 1 30 because colgan was too drunk to drive um, and then another report, uh, from an eyewitness, uh, who was a taxi driver indicated that he'd seen, uh, white Chrysler zigzagging all over 287, uh, all over highway 287. Um, and he couldn't pass it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I think they did like, uh, under hypnosis, 
he was able to recall a few characters from the license plate which seemed to match uh, the Colton family Chrysler. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I've never undergone hypnosis. I've seen other people claim to be under hypnosis because it <laughs> we would have some... We would have people in high school come and do, like, concerts and yeah, shit. And there too. was, like, a magician guy. Yeah. And, yeah, he had these people, like, come up to get hypnotized. And I don't know if it ever worked. but like, I don't know. Like, yeah, see, we had that, too. And, like, he was like, oh, he had, like, two people up on the stage and was like, okay, you're going to act like chickens. And they started doing it. I'm like, are they actually hypnotized or are they just going along with it? Mm-hmm. Like. Are they just trying to be cool because you're, like, 16 and this is kind of sus? Yeah. Like, and then there's, like, hypnosis for weight loss. And I'm, like... How do you, like... How does that work, though? And they do hypnotherapy. I've never done hypnotherapy. And I kind of want to... If I end up having more than one kid, I kind of want to try hypnobirth. Because, like, I've I've read a little bit about hypnobirthing. And I'm, like, huh. Because it's, like, a pain management thing. But it's, like, one of the things that you can do. Is it? I don't know how it works, but like, and I don't know like how much it costs. Meditation, where you're just like, I, I am know. not here right now. And then you know, someone brought up Tom Cruise the other day, and it made me think of like God. that whole silent birth thing. Because remember, that I think it, it was like weird. Scientology, where yeah. like it's like I don't know. It has to be su- yeah that like you can't scream. Which, I think I mean if there was something like pushing its way out of my body, I feel like I wouldn't be. Able if to I want to scream, I'm gonna fucking scream. Exactly. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do with my body. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. You're not my real dad. <laughs> uh, okay, where am I after? Um. So, several months into the investigation, our our CMP did search the Colgan Chrysler and found a spot of human blood on the rear seat and hair, um, which had characteristics belonging to Helen Betty. So, I think it was, basically, it was a dark hair. And she had dark hair. <laughs> I guess that's just, like, the forensics. Wait, but also, day, I, didn't, like... I didn't find anything that said they, like, kept it. Or even, like, you know, to be, like, maybe we can test it someday, but... In the future? I don't know, dude. And then there was a piece of a bra clasp, but they could not link any of these uh, pieces of evidence to Betty. Mm -hmm. Um, And then between... This is the second phase here, is between 1973 and 1983, so a period of, like, 10 years, um, which already, like, what the fuck? Like... Um, Norman Manger and James Houghton would be occasionally interviewed about their involvement, but nothing ever came of this. And, uh, Manger gave an alibi for the night of Betty's death, um, and that he later admitted was false, and it wouldn't be until November 11th, 1987, that Norman Manger would finally admit to being in the car that night. (laughs) I, I'm just like, I wonder... Was it, like, a guilty conscience that finally got it? it no, that like... was, like, that was literally just right before the trial happened. So it was probably just, like, oh, okay, I'm going to tell you. Like, he doesn't ever, Norman Manger was never charged. Like, he was never charged with anything. Oh, like, he didn't stand trial. He wasn't charged with anything. Um, so it was shortly after the murder in 1971. So this is, like, 
Yeah, so, okay, no, shortly after the murder, Lee Colgan, so the guy who, like, told everything eventually, he admitted to a woman named Catherine Dick about his, Norman Manger, and James Hufton's involvement in Betty's murder. And so it was Catherine who would later write an anonymous letter to the police about this. So, go Catherine. Um, she was the reason that uh, police learned about these guys. At least somebody fucking said something. Right? Like, these guys didn't even stop it. And here she is, like, okay, this fucker's, like, telling me about some girl he died, so, like, fuck you. Like, yeah, and if, like, the whole town knew, but, like, she's the one person that fucking said something, like... And it's, like, it's kind of fucked up because, like, some of them, like, did say that they were kind of scared to come forward and, like, because... You know, some of these guys would be at, like, parties and they'd admit involvement, but then mm-hmm. someone would threaten people not to say anything, and, you know, it's the 70s, and no one cares about the indigenous people in the paw, apparently, because Betty died and nobody gave a shit for, like, 16 years. I mean, <laughs> I, speaking from the outside, I don't think much has changed, unfortunately. No, and it's, um, like, it's fucking sad. It's like it's been 50 years you would think there would be some sort of fucking progress but well and one thing i know i want to do an episode on too is how many of the reserves in canada like i don't know about the united states but how many in canada are are currently in 2021 i might add um and for how long have been without clean drinking water yeah like are, are you fucking kidding like, me that's just a basic and then like you have like... people thinking that indigenous people don't pay taxes or like don't pay whatever or like get free shit and it's like they basically fucking live in squalor yeah because of the government so like it's it's fucked up um but i think we're oh no (laughs) ah talk to you about jared leto's joker i just wanted to make sure we were recording um i didn't watch uh uh the emancipation of harley quinn but like that soundtrack uh, michaela nikki j put a bunch of like really cool songs from birds of prey onto our karate posse playlist yeah i tried watching it i just i couldn't get into it like it was i think i'll have to re-watch it because um, I think I was expecting something different, well, and I mean, that's why I couldn't get into it. Kind of like when I watched Hustlers for the first time, I'm like, this is well, not what I was expecting. And I'm not going to lie, I don't really like Zack Snyder's um, take on the DC Universe. I feel like the MCU got super huge, and the DC Universe, like everyone who was producing anything DC, was just kind of like trying to ride on um, Marvel's coattails. And then it didn't really succeed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, MCU kind of has that, like, really awesome blend of, like, dramatic and comedy. And um, I also just want to say uh, rest in power, Chadwick Boseman, because I'm still not fucking over losing Black Panther. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> cut down. Like, I love Black Panther. I saw the new posters for the upcoming one, and they have him, like, in the background, and I'm just like, uh, I know. Was that, <laughs> I feel like it was you, though, who said me, like, sound great was later. it, was it Fortnite that did yes. the, the tribute to him, and it was, like, all the Avengers characters doing the Wakandan salute, and he's, like, on the, the, the thing, and I'm just like, oh, tears, yeah. tears. 
still not over fucking Endgame, and then of course we go and lose Chadwick Boseman. Jesus, and then we lost Stan Lee in the last two years. We still have Betty White, though, so that's something. We do. I swear to God, if... Yeah, that's fake wood. (laughs) There we go. Real wood. I think that's real. I don't know. What is real anymore? (laughs) Nothing. Um, all right, going back. My cat is giving me the most deadliest eye, because I probably woke it up. (laughs) That's fine. Go back to sleep. He's plotting my murder right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, so, um... After, you know, confessing to Catherine Dick, too, like, because these guys didn't just tell, you know, one person about this, they would, they were rumored to have told, like, multiple people over the period of 16 years that this happened. Um, So, (laughs) later also, uh, Lee Colgan would later tell another woman, um, which, again, like, if you're gonna tell someone you committed a murder why go tell a woman like hey i beat this woman to death like <laughs> like hey just a heads up i'm a piece of shit right would you Which, still date me <laughs> it's like it's great when guys or like just anybody will tell you outright that they're a piece of shit and they think that like it's okay and you're like um hmm, better not <laughs> so um and this is okay this is the part that like it really fucking pissed me off when I read it um I don't even hardly want to say it but I will um so later he would also tell another woman uh this is Colgan's words that he and a couple others quote picked up that squaw at the Cumberland block for a gangbang end Mm. quote and it was in this admission that he mentioned Dwayne Johnson was involved as well so, yeah, um, just saying that word makes me feel fucking disgusting, and if I ever hear it being spoken. <laughs> uh, mm, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah I, and I'm just, mm, I don't understand. I don't know what to say about that. And I, I just, just, I don't understand why people will just out themselves as grubby, like, nasty-ass pieces of shit so blatantly and like and nothing happens like even after the Gwen episode I kind of wish this had happened before so I could have mentioned it during the Gwen Araujo episode um like how people like to act that this kind of shit doesn't happen in 2021 but like periodically I'll see on Instagram that you know people threatening violence against trans people if they find out they're trans Mm -hmm. and it's like okay are we like really still saying this shit out loud online and just being okay with it because or like um the article you sent me from CBC the other day of what happened to that uh the girl in the hijab yeah Ugh. in downtown downtown Winnipeg? i think it was downtown yeah but she was just picking this this teenager um was just she was wearing a hijab that was really the only thing that she was doing and someone like verbally assaulted her while she was doing a curbside pickup of her food which i i hate feeling angry enough to want to threaten violence against people who do that mm-hmm. like because that's my reaction and I know that we shouldn't like react with like violence with violence right yeah. but like 
like these people these are grown adults fucking attacking kids like yeah you, you can't and even if it was an like another adult like yeah like i'm not i'm not yeah like i'm not seeing like no i, I, I shouldn't just, i know no i just i'm just like oh my god oh my like, god i hope that doesn't sound bad but yeah like the it's um, like only do this to adults I, th- <laughs> I think it's like i think it was the islamic association of uh i think it was manitoba or of canada mentioned that it's apparently islamic teens that are being specifically targeted because they won't fight back and yeah. it's like um why like one why are you attacking kids but like i don't know it's like to me you're like you're a piece of shit you're mm-hmm. gonna attack someone who isn't going to defend themselves or someone who is like half your size so is afraid to defend themselves it's, yeah yeah, it's, uh, I just don't understand, like, the thought process of people that are, like, I don't even want to say, like, going out, like, attacking people who aren't the same as them, because that's not what it is. It's, no. I just, uh, I don't know how to, like, get that thought process out, but, like, I just don't understand how, even if it's, like, against your religion or whatever bullshit you want to spew, like, how that justifies or like in their mind like justifies acting like that like well and like I'm like there's not even I I feel as though a lot of people misinterpret like I've never read the bible from cover to cover I read the children's version (laughs) uh, I memorized the books in bible camp um but yeah like from cover to cover I've never read it but I do know like tons of it is misquoted and like at the core it's like Jesus never said that (laughs) or like Jesus didn't do this or like you know like Jesus is probably looking at you like dude what are you doing uh Jesus is most definitely Middle Eastern (laughs) not white did I saw this I saw this theme it was like it must have been really hard being Jesus and being the only white kid in the Middle East or something (laughs) it's like oh my god that's terrible um one of my favorite Jesus memes is um like it's an actual verse it's like I think it's Matthew 28 or no 5 verse 28 um it's like for the son of man did not come to serve not come to be served but to serve yeah Uh, and I always think of you got served and so because someone actually drew Jesus like break dancing (laughs) so it's like for the son of man did not come to serve be served but to serve okay for the longest time i was obsessed with that movie that you got served yeah oh yeah i used to tell people i didn't know if like i was like am i the only one that knows about this movie (laughs) (laughs) or like because they had tons of like they were there was like they i think there was a period where like dance movies were a thing yeah like step because it was step up step up to the streets and I didn't then, watch that one. Like, I'm like, the first one was good enough, thank you. And then there was, like, Take the Lead, and which was Antonio Banderas, one of my favorite movies. Um, fuck, what else was and there? It was, like, Drumline. Drumline, yes, with Nick Cannon. <laughs> I remember that one. Um, and then a few others. I didn't really watch much, mostly. You got served. No, wait, I was going to say Stomp, but I'm pretty sure uh, that's, like, a Stomp play. the Yard. Stomp the Yard. Okay, that was that's another the one. favorite of mine. 
<laughs> we just keep talking about movies. I know. We should, like, review a whole bunch, but yeah, like... Send your suggestions. Send your suggestions, yes. Um, um, Voicelesspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. We'll do a segment. <laughs> we should review movies. Um... Uh, so yeah, this was at that time. So eventually, like, they they knew pretty early in 1972, well, mid 1972, who was involved. But um, you know, they would the cops would claim um, that they didn't have enough to prosecute. But like, what gets me is that they interviewed the two guys like periodically over a period of ten years. It wasn't like it's just like, what the fuck did you ask them? <laughs> Like, what was happening? Um, and then, so in 1983, 12 whole years after the murder, um, it was Constable Robert Urbanowski who reviewed the file, and then he decided to re-interview all of those who were previously questioned. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he published an article on the crime um, in the Apasquia Times, Um about like so this resulted in further incriminating evidence coming to light because all of a sudden like this kind of inspired a few people to come forward um there were quite a few people who didn't want to be identified when they were being interviewed and giving um kind of testimonies to the to the rcmp Mm -hmm. um so lee colgan was charged with murder um on october 3rd 1986 however he would later of course be granted immunity in exchange for testimony against dwayne johnston and james huffton and then um coverage of the case as well so media kind of jumped on this when like they were making arrests and then this resulted in even more evidence coming coming forward Mm -hmm. and then it was on October 27th, 1986, Dwayne Johnston was charged. And then in March 1987, this was when Colgan offered to give his testimony in exchange for immunity. So it took him a couple months to offer that. Um, So it was through his testimony in trial, I believe, in December 1987. It was uh, via jury. They decided to... um, charged Dwayne Johnson so he was convicted with or I guess convicted right that's the word like when they charged yeah like convicted of murder or whatever yeah when the jury finds them guilty yeah Yeah. so jury found Dwayne Johnson guilty and James Hufton was acquitted Uh, Manger was never charged and of course Colgan wasn't charged either so the only (laughs) one the only one who actually was charged and served time was Dwayne Johnson even though all four were there not even Hulk Hogan. <laughs> no. No. And, like, it's... And that's kind of, like, where I want to end it because I didn't want to go into too much about these guys. Yeah. And, like, because it's just... Nobody it, cares. It, no, nobody cares about them. And also, like, I didn't want to go too much into... um you know the background of like the racial divide i didn't want to talk too much about that today just because i know we're going to be discussing that in future podcasts um in future episodes so i didn't want to 
exhaust all that information for this one, but um, this is the one case I wanted to kind of get out there first, just because it was one of the first ones I remember being told of when I was a kid. Because, mm-hmm. like, it's it's hard kind of, you know, learning about this stuff as a child, but, like, also you kind of have a duty. Like, I don't know if it was just because, you know, I'm Indigenous. I don't know if I've met, I've mentioned that on the, on the podcast, I think, like, on the page, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Korean, Ojibwe, and French. Um, so there is, you know, like, I've grown up with certain ideas only to realize that they're racist ideas that like kind of society put into me to kind of like they're like it's real like when you know people say like colonization has stolen your identity like it's to the point where even indigenous people hate themselves yeah so it's really like sad. and, and like... it's working <laughs> like it worked the point of the residential schools like we're again we are going to cover it in future podcasts but like I really want to delve into the um the after effects of like you know the generational trauma that has come with the residential schools that they're only just you know recognizing and talking about because that's something that is super interesting to me as a 29 year old who is only learning that now that all my problems probably started because of like I'm not saying that I'm not responsible for healing myself but it's also important to talk about the stuff that happened as a direct result of colonization and these um and you know the Roman Catholic Church setting up all these residential schools because you mm-hmm. know I'm not hating on any religions or anything but um I feel like it's kind of important to acknowledge that the church had uh, some pretty uh had a pretty shitty hand <laughs> in creating uh this huge this huge monstrosity in Canada's history yeah I don't even know how to explain it without sounding uneducated and ridiculous <laughs> so I don't want to go in too much on a tangent like I don't want to go on too much of a tangent yeah. until we do like a lot of research and stuff so mm-hmm. just like with the farmers protest and also yeah I'm really looking forward to I was to that just watching too. um some videos because uh it's not related to your case but um January 26th is Fuck, I'm gonna sound so ignorant right now. It's um, I need, I know what it is. I need to just figure it out. But it's a very important uh, day in India, and um, there's already like thousands and thousands of farmers, like um, like in Delhi and around Delhi mm-hmm. right now. But like more coming because I think it's. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna Google this before I say something stupid. Yeah, like I think, <laughs> well, no, it's like it's. There are, I know, even with some people now, like, discussing the Indigenous issues within Canada, you know, people will talk about, oh, well, there's, like, all these other issues and stuff, and it's, like, we want, we want to talk about these issues, like, we'll, we'll focus, like, we'll, we'll have specific episodes, like, I know the farmers protest and the residential schools will not be one, one shot episodes. Oh, no, and even the farmers protest one, like, there's probably going to be... Well, Either one... monthly or like every two months, like updates depending on how long it goes. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, I was 
I was right in my thinking. I just had to Google it to confirm before mm-hmm. I said something wrong. But um, January 26th, so um, what is that? Tuesday um, is because uh, it's the 24th today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is the Republic Day in India. And so there's always like a huge um, like parade and stuff like in and out of Delhi. And so now like the farmers are protesting. Well, they're already protesting, but like more are coming to like join the protest um, and to like block the roadways that the parade usually travels because the Indian government is still like refusing to repeal the farm bills that are pretty much destroying the livelihoods of thousands of farmers over there. Um, we had posted, or I had posted a video the other day um, that was a confession um, from a man who was like hiding his face, but he was hired um, by the Indian government specifically to like, as like a hitman pretty much, and was given photos of four of the like the farming union leaders and he was supposed to like take them out before January 26th. Um, yeah. Fuck. So it's, and then like the prime minister over there is like, he was commenting on like the capital riots that happened and was like, Oh, that's horrible. Like what's happening uh, in the U S like democracy is whatever. And everyone's like, but you're not even looking at the people in your own country. Like, and then mm-hmm. when like Trudeau was talking about what was going on with the farmers protests and like, um, some of the political people or politicians in India were like condemning him for speaking out because it's not like an issue he needs to concern himself with. And like, like this is, currently like the biggest protest that's ever happened in the world has been going on since september that's fucking like, insane these people most of them are like 60 plus mm-hmm. and like this uh, is... it's just like they're getting tear gassed and water cannoned and like shot with bullets and or rubber bullets and like beaten and like that's fucking and all they want is like just the pres- preservation of like livelihood because they're already scrounged. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into that at some point. Yeah. No, um, I think that's gonna be awesome. And then uh Yeah. I don't know. How do we end these? I don't know. We never figured that out. Like, I think the last one we were just like, okay, bye. Yeah, we're well we're really excited <laughs> to continue talking about um you know, the missing and murdered indigenous women, uh, people, uh, BIPOC crimes and crimes against the LGBTQ community. Um, but thank you for listening. Uh, let us know what you think. Do you have any, um, constructive criticism? You can, uh, reach us at, uh, voicelesspodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Or DM <laughs> us on Instagram, um, the voiceless podcast. I don't know our handles. Hold on. Uh, it is the Voiceless True Crime Podcast there on Instagram, go. and at Voiceless True on Twitter. Um, uh, we also started a TikTok, but we don't have any videos yet. But that's um, Voiceless Podcast. Mm-hmm. So that's nice and simple. Yeah. Let us know um, also if you'd like what kind of videos you want to see us on TikTok. Because uh, yeah, 
we're pretty fire in like things. we're we're uh pushing 30 so you know we, gotta keep we need our suggestions. We got to keep our youth, man. I'm noticing how wrinkly my forehead is getting. Um, I will also ask for case suggestions because we have like a huge list, but like if you guys have specific ones that you want to hear. Or if or... you know of one that hasn't been covered, yeah. like even if there isn't a lot of detail, if there's a name out there um, that nobody knows, like seriously, text us email us by text i mean dm us on instagram <laughs> yeah we're not, we're not giving you our phone numbers <laughs> um but yeah um i hope you like this one well enjoyed this episode um yeah well uh we'll catch you in a couple days when we release another uh mini episode yeah um do we want to end us saying what our next one is or just leave it yeah i guess yeah our next uh episode is going to be kind of like a mini um it's going to have two cases, one yeah. from Ash, one from me. Uh, my episode will be on uh, Brandon Tina. And uh, I'm going to be covering Rena Burke. Yes, we're both excited to uh, shed some light into those cases. Uh, so, yeah, we'll come at you in a couple days. Um, have a good night, and we'll see you soon. And stay safe out there. Yeah, wear a mask. I am bad at